0: If, if you're new with us we've been we've been talking about what it looks like for God to exceed our expectations and God wants to do that I don't know some of you may have come to church today and you feel like maybe God hasn't even met your expectations and it could be that, that God is trying to reframe your understanding of who he is so that he can not only meet him but exceed it with his truth and who he is today and this series of conversations we've centered around a a passage in scripture that's actually a promise. It's a truth about who God is. It's found in Ephesians 3.20. And I'd like for us just to to say this verse out loud together. I want you to get this in your spirit because it changes everything about life when you approach God with this belief. When, When you think, okay, that God is able to do more. It changes how we pray. It changes how we see him how we approach him and so ephesians three twenty. i want them to go ahead and stick it up if you don't have it memorized yet you're working on it i got you but i want us all to say it out loud at both locations let's read it together now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us according to the power that works in you God wants to exceed that in your life. Do you, do you agree with that? Come on, you got to receive that. Now today, as we continue this conversation and we're, if you're new with us, we're we're leading up to um, an opportunity that we have as a church to give for this next season of our church. As we go into 2020, we're taking a huge step of faith. If you're new to build a new facility in Canal Winchester, And We're believing that God is going to do more than we could ever ask or imagine as we take that step of faith and so we're going to be giving an end-of-the-year offering on December 12th and 15th and And then we're going to also make our exceed commitment for the year and I've asked our church to consider and pray freely of your own choosing if you'd give above and beyond to help us in this transition as we take a step of faith for moving to a new facility and And I want to read to you, if you just remain standing for a moment, I want to read to you our passage for today. and Because this is the good part. I know it feels like sometimes giving, you feel like you're missing out or you're losing something. But I want to talk about the response of God when we give. That there's a response from God. And this is the part that I think a lot of us like. And it's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 starting in verse 6. Now Paul is reminding the church in Corinth about, uh, about who God is when they give. Now they were, they were being invited just like this to give to an offering. This wasn't the tithe. This wasn't their consistent giving. This was above and beyond. And so Paul reminds them with these words in verse 9. He said, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap. Everyone help me. Will reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap how? Generously. And then he said this, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly. Okay, I like that line so much, and I know so do you. I'll read it again. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times having all that you need you will abound in every good work i'll receive that i will don't act so self-righteous that you won't take the blessing if god's going to give it come on i want to receive it verse 10 skip down it says this and here's the promise now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. I believe that because of what we do as a church, that there are hundreds and hundreds of families thousands of lives that are in the future going to give thanksgiving to God because there were people that were willing to go before them who were willing to invest and sow and put their money where their mouth is and say I believe that God is a supplier of seed and no matter what I give I'm not losing it because I'm investing it in his kingdom come on if you agree with that can you just give him a shout today come on we receive this today I want to talk to you today about the potential of a seed. The potential of a seed. Now, before I pray, you may not have picked up on this, but there's a play on words with our series title. I don't know if you got it. It's based out of Ephesians 3.20. Exceed. Did you get it yet? Have you did you get it yet? X seed. X, C, okay. When when we as X church invest our seed, this is what we're gonna talk about. We're gonna see what God does in response of that today. Father, I pray right now for your word as it goes forth that God, it would transform our hearts. That today, God, we, we didn't just come to church to put in time, but we came here to meet with you. We came to experience all that you have. And so God, we as a church right now open ourselves up to you and say, God, have your way. Come on, God, do something in my life reveal something to me i've never yet seen or heard i I pray god that you would release something in our church today that god we could receive the blessing that you have for us as your people as we choose to do your work and we pray all these things in the name of jesus our lord and savior and everybody said come on get praise one more time you guys can go ahead and grab a seat are you guys awake and alive today I don't feel like it. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's Thanksgiving hangover. I thought you'd be a little more excited because the Buckeyes, God's team won. Praise God. Can we? Can we? Okay, there you go. I bet you weren't like this yesterday watching that game. I bet you're a little more excited about it, but uh, it's good to be with you regardless in our Lancaster family and online. And Hey, I just want you to know something about your pastor. I am a uh, sucker for infomercials. Is there anybody like me? Raise your hand, just be bold, just own it. Okay, there's some of you. Like, I I love infomercials. I mean, I don't just sit around and watch them, but if an infomercial comes on, I'm the kind of person that says, I need that thing. You ever feel like that? Like, I gotta have that. And I'll tell you where they get you now. They get you on the gram when you're scrolling through. You see no sponsored ads. And now I, I want a, a dent removal tool because I can pull out dents out of a tool with this tool that's paintless. I don't even have any dents, but I, I feel like I need to own one of those things. I saw one in the ad yesterday for some survival tool. And and though I, I don't feel like, you know, I, I'm not really woodsy or anything like that. But this tool, it did everything. I mean, you could kill bears with it. You could You could dig holes. You could start fires. I was like, I need one of those. I am such a sucker for it. That's probably why I like the uh, the TV show, The Shark Tank. How many of you like Shark Tank? Raise your hand if you like Shark Tank. Come on, that's an awesome show, isn't it? I love Shark Tank because it's a show about these, these business entrepreneurs that are investing their own money into startups. Sometimes it's a business. Sometimes it's just an idea. And I just, I love it because I'm the kind of person that loves these kind of inventions. You know, it's like, why didn't I think about that? I need one of those. You know, I, I'm the, that, I'm their audience. And I just love it. You know, these guys, they'll invest their own money into these companies and then they turn around and make millions. And I just, I just be honest with you. I have purchased something from watching Shark Tank. Okay. Several years ago. There was this person that was early on. Many of you weren't around watching it then, but I was an early adopter. And there was this person selling this brilliant, brilliant invention that I just had to have. It was called the city kitty. How many of you ever heard the city kitty? Come on, raise your hand. Very few of you know what the city kitty is. Listen, if you got a cat, this will change your life. The city kitty is a contraption that will help you train your cat to be potty trained. Toilet trained. To go in the toilet. And listen, let me just tell you why I bought one of these. Okay? It's because I'm the one who gets stuck cleaning out the stupid cat box. Okay? And if you have that pain, if you understand what it means to suffer like that for your family, Then I wanted this, and it's this device that can train your cat, and so I bought it. I was watching online, I was like, that's so good. I went to the website, and I bought the city kitty, and I showed my wife, I was like, look what I got, and and, and I read to her how it works, and she said, you are not sticking that on one of our toilets. (laughs) And so to this day, I have a city kitty in a box, if anybody wants to buy it, because I have not potty trained our cats. But there's something interesting about investing early in a startup. Um, these investors, they, they will put money, and they, when they invest in a startup, they don't just give them money. You don't just do that, that's not what you do. But when you invest it in a startup, you get equity, right, uh, uh, on the back end, so that whatever it becomes worth, that, that's what your investment becomes worth. You know what's interesting to me? You know what they call the money that you invest early on companies and startups? Does anybody know what they call that today? They call it seed money. It's called seed money. I found that interesting. That investing terms we've got thing called seed money that the apostle Paul has been trying to tell us about for almost two thousand years. That's what Paul's talking about in Second Corinthians nine. He's talking about seed money. He's talking about what it looks like to a church to give, to help others. That was the offering in 2 Corinthians 9 they were going to take up. And and he's talking about investment and connecting that to seeds. He, He wants to connect for us this idea of giving to something they all understood in their day when it comes to farming terms, to sowing seeds. There's an investment concept that he wants us to get. And it's really about a seed principle. And I want to talk about it because I want us to understand it today. I got to teach you something so that you understand this. Here's what Paul said. He said, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap what? Sparingly. And he says, The transverse, you need to know this, that when you sow generously, you're going to reap how? Generously. This is the seed principle. Here's what I say the seed principle is how much you sow. Determines how much you reap. Let me say it again. That's the seed principle. How much you sow determines how much you reap. Now, listen, you don't have to take a rocket scientist to figure that out. Okay? Here's why. Because God created within the fabric of our world from the foundation of creation, God created this principle, the seed principle. He created this principle to exist from the very beginning. That what you sow, what you invest, what you give yourself to will determine what you get out of it. What you give will determine what you get out of it. We understand this in every aspect of life. Can I just tell you that that this is true in everything? It's true in investing. It it is. It's true. when, When you invest, you buy in stock and you buy a certain amount by how much you invest. And then you receive a reward based on the percentage of that stock. And so if you invest a little don't expect to get a great return. It's all about what you put in and what you get out. The same is true in sports. If anybody plays sports, you got kids that play sports, you watch the sports, the same is true. What you put in through practice, through training, put into your body, what you put in for work and practice will result or will kind of reflect in what happens on the field. That's why the Buckeyes were victorious. That and because God is a guy. come on. God is a Buckeye. If you're not a Buckeye, if you're from that that state up north, I just want you to know about the grace of God. I want you to know that God will forgive you if you'll confess your sins and you will come over to God's side, that he will save you and he will change you forever, his grace and his mercy. I just wanted you to know that. In, In sports, listen, what you put in during the week will come to fruition during the game. It takes an investment in there. By the way, the same is true in relationships, and we already know that. The same is true in your marriage. What you put into your marriage or into your relationship is directly connected to what you will get out of it. And so sometimes we'll sit around and complain about our marriage, but we actually haven't done anything to invest in it. Don't sit there and look at somebody else and say, well, the grass looks greener over there when you haven't been taking care of your lawn or fertilizing it over here. What you put into it will directly... Impact what you get out of it. This is the universal principle of sowing and reaping. And God wants us to understand that it also applies to your giving. I'm not talking about the tithe. I'm not talking about returning to God the first portion of what He's blessed you with. That, I, I'm talking about beyond that. We're talking about like seed. What I'm talking about that when it comes to generosity. When it comes to us and having moments like this where we can give, it's not just this. When you see somebody at work or you see somebody on the street, you see somebody in need and you have an opportunity to step up and be generous. What God wants us to understand is this. The way we approach giving is the same way that God approaches us with blessing. The way you approach it with God when it comes to giving, sowing, it's the same way, directly connected to how God approaches us with blessing. Now, Paul didn't make that up. Here's what I want you to understand. He actually got that from Jesus. And so, just so you think, I, I, I don't make this stuff up. You, you need to understand me as a pastor and as a preacher, I preach what's in God's Word. That's what I preach. This is, this is something, and why does this matter? Because it reflects how we think of God. And and what we understand of of who God is. And so here's something that Jesus said. Let me read this to you because Jesus said these words in Luke 6, 38. He said this, give and you will what? Everybody say, give and you will. See, there's a connection. Okay. Now, I don't give to receive. But I do need to understand that when I do give, that it positions me for something. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. See, that sounds more like an investment than it does losing something. He said, it will return to you in full how? Press down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. Now, here's what Jesus, I'm, I'm just reading you Jesus' words. He said, the amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Now, listen, I want, I want to warn you before you kind of start to go, oh, I see how this works now this becomes your new financial plan on how you're gonna do it no 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 don't 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 read that into it but what Jesus wants us to understand is the posture of our heart when we give directly reflects the way God will respond to our generosity with his and here's what I have found if I can be honest with you about how I see this and in, in the world today and I see it with Christ followers So many Christ followers today, we want God to bless us far beyond our willing to give. Our approach to God is, oh God bless me. If I ask you if you would like God to bless you, every single one of us should say, yes, I want it. And so many of us as Christ followers, we're like, oh, if God will bless me, heck yeah, I want that. Bless my house so stuff doesn't break. Bless my kids so they stay safe. Hey, bless our finances so they increase every single month. Bless my job so I get a promotion. But the problem is many of us don't understand that the way God is toward us has a lot to do with the way we will respond toward him. And so we want, us to, we want God to bless us, maybe even beyond what we're willing to give back toward Him. Now, let, now and here's why I say I don't, want you to confuse, I don't want you to confuse God's grace with blessing. Please don't confuse this. Here's what I, I need you to understand. God's grace is given regardless of what you do. This is the beautiful thing about Grace. God's grace is so incredible. God's love for us is so unconditional that it has nothing to do with you giving. I want to make sure this is clear, that that God's grace is given to us because Jesus came and died for us he gave his life for us. And the Bible says this is love, not that we loved him, but that he loved us and gave his son, Jesus, as an atoning sacrifice for us. You need to understand God's grace is free unmerited favor you do nothing to deserve it i'm not talking about god's grace here please understand what i'm saying i'm talking about the blessing of god beyond that okay i want you to understand it's kind of like as parents we we have unconditional love for our kids but depending on how you act and treat me will determine how far i go in blessing you does that make sense that that's i think how i register with it and Paul says that in these moments when, when we have an opportunity to be generous, and we believe that generosity is our privilege here at this church. We believe it's a privilege because of what God's done for us. Paul says this. He says, each of you, in verse 7, should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I, I, I like to say it whenever we have a, a moment like this where we're doing above And when we have an offering, it's an opportunity. I like to say this, do not feel compelled to give. If you're that person that's really, um, you you know, you you always think the church is just out to get your money. And you just kind of like, man, I don't really trust. Then don't give. I, I like, I release you. Do not feel like you need to. And I feel like Paul says that here. He's releasing the church. He said, you should give because you've decided in your heart, I want to give, not under compulsion. Okay, not reluctant. It's like, oh, got to. God loves a cheerful giver, not because you're forced to do it. it kind of reminds me when I was a kid, and me and my older brother, we would get into fights. I know you got into fights with your siblings too. Don't act like it was perfect. But we got into fights, and whenever my mom or my dad would come in, they'd try to kind of resolve the fight. You know how we do as parents? We want there to be harmony in the home with our kids. And so I don't know if your parents ever did this to you, but. You know, my, my parents would come in, and they would try to make us make up. Have you ever had somebody try to make you make up? And they look at you, and they're like, tell your brother you're sorry. I don't want to. You tell your brother you're sorry. And what do you do? I, I remember doing this like, sorry. It's real short. It's like, sorry. No, no, no. Not like that with attitude. Tell him that you're sorry for what you sorry for hitting him. sorry for hitting you. You know what I mean? That's what Come on, any of you were like that? That was me. You know what was worse than having to apologize? Having to hug it out. Did your parents ever make you hug it out? Come on, there's nothing worse than being forced to hug it out. Right after you just got, had to apologize and they're like, all right, give him a hug. I want it? Give him a hug. And so you do one of those little quick like, oom, like this is real, real fast, a little aggressive, passive aggressive hug. Force a hug. Can I tell you this? When it comes to giving, God doesn't want you to hug it out. God's not looking for people to hug it out. Oh, I guess because I have to. That, that's not God's heart. That's not God's perspective. That's why I love when Paul in this moment releases them. He says, don't feel like you're compelled to do it. This is a free will. This is, this is something that maybe you would do because your heart is moved. This is why he says, as your heart, give as you decided in your heart. Not, not my mind, by the way, but my heart. Because of the way God has moved in my life, I'm going to give based on on my heart. And God doesn't well, He doesn't want it forced. And oh, by the way, can I just say, if you sometimes we think, well, if I just give a little bit of this, then maybe God will like me. If I give, then maybe He'll forgive me. If I don't do that, this is not part of God's forgiveness or grace. You can't do anything to earn it. I've said that. I want to make sure this is clear. You don't give because well, I just I don't know. I just. I've done so many bad things, and so I better start making up for it. Listen, it does not work that way with God. When, when you confess your sin to Him, it's because of what He did on the cross that you're made right with God, not by anything you can do, not by any amount of money you can give. You can't buy your way into heaven. Jesus paid the price. I want to make sure we understand that. And by the way, here's what God would say. I'm not going to say this, but this is the way God, God doesn't need our money. God doesn't need your money. I'm not saying we don't as a church. I'm just saying God doesn't need your money. And God is my provider, so I don't worry about that. But here's why I believe this is so important with releasing this is because God... Everything valuable in this world, God's the one who created it. Do we think for one second there's an amount of money that's somehow going to get God's attention all of a sudden? God made the diamonds in this world. He made the gold that we pull out of the ground. He's the one that put oil in the ground, the greatest resource in this world God created. So God's not impressed by our money. It does not change the way the way he sees us. What God hopes and desires is that you would want to give because you love him. Here's the thing about love and here's what we all know. Love that is forced is not really love. Trying to make your spouse love you. Trying to make your kids love you. Love that is forced, making your brother and sister, making them love, love that is forced is not love. That's why God made us with a free will. Because God did not want robots, but he wanted people that were so moved by his grace by his forgiveness that they would respond out of love and, and that's what he's inviting us to if God has touched your heart and if he's done something in your life I hope that you're moved out of love not not guilt so he says oh, I release you from that but I need you to also understand the promise that is attached to being generous the blessing and I think sometimes people get nervous when pastors talk about blessing because it's been so misused and abused in the church world but i'd be remiss as your pastor if i did not tell you the whole truth of god which includes the way god sees us and what god wants to do in verse eight let me reread it paul he said this and god is able to do what everybody say those three words and god is able to bless you how how does god want to bless you he wants to bless you abundantly See, I, li- I like that part. I'm going to receive that myself. God is able to bless you abundantly. If there's anybody in this world that can bless you, put his hand on your life and change your life, and in this is it's God. He it says, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I saw a connection between what Paul said in second corinthians 9 8 and what he also prayed in ephesians 3 20. i don't know if you saw the connection there think, think about the connection Here, here's what paul said paul said this and god is able ephesians three twenty. now to him who is able there's a connection to to him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above and here's what paul said and god is able to bless you abundantly god is able to pour out blessing in your life this is why I constantly this is why I don't shrink back from telling you the truth about our finances this is why as a pastor I don't I, I'm not afraid to because I trust what God says in his word that uh, God wants to bless us in supernatural ways he wants to bless us in financial ways and here's the thing I know that there's some of you've been around church and whenever you hear a preacher talk like this there's a part of you that kind of goes uh, I don't know it feels a little weird Like, I want to, I want you to understand, there's a difference between understanding the blessing of God and, and, and hearing about prosperity gospel message. There's a difference. And if you don't know the difference, let me try to clarify. Prosperity gospel message usually looks like this. It's, it's, it's originally taken from the motive of scripture. And then it's twisted just a little bit to make you the focus rather than God, the focus. Prosperity gospel preaching usually says this that God wants you to be rich That God wants to bless you and give you everything you desire. Here's how you get it. This is the key you just name it and You ever heard that? No, I'm not opposed for faith and declaring things by faith like we're building a building and I'm declaring things by faith, okay? There's a difference between it's the motive It's the motive and it's the purpose when you think, oh, I, God wants me to be rich. And so you'll hear sometimes preachers say, and so if you will just give $39.99, just for your gift of $39.99, we're gonna also send you a little vial of water. And this isn't ordinary water. This is holy water. And if you take and pour that over your old car, it's going to turn. It's, it's all, oh, it's going to start working. All of a sudden, if you pour it over your money, your bank account, all of a sudden it's going to multiply. And you want that Lexus, you name it and claim it. And you begin to go. that is lousy to me. That misses the entire purpose of God's blessing. Please be clear, please let me be clear and hear that. That's saying God is here as my genie to make my life the most comfortable it can be. That is so different in motive than understanding the blessing of God. And the best way for us to picture it, and I've been talking about it, because this is the way, is that God is your heavenly Father, loves to give good, good gifts to his kids. Just like as you parents or grandparents, love to do the same thing with yours I want to bless my kids I don't want to spoil them but I want to love on them and I want to bless them when they will position themselves here's the the key the whole passage is all about first what we sow determines the position so that God can then bless because here's what God wants to do here's the difference between prosperity gospel and understanding the blessing of God the prosperity gospel will say that the blessings for you When you understand the way God blesses, you'll understand that it's not just for you, but it's also through you, and there's a difference. I think a great example of this is a guy named Stanley Tam. I don't know if you ever heard his name before. He's probably one of the oldest men still alive in Ohio. He's about 104 years old, imagine that. And Stanley Tam grew up in the Depression era. And during the Depression era, him and his family had no money, but he was an entrepreneur, and he wanted to start a business to be able to help out his family. And so he came up with this business idea of how to reclaim silver. This was back in the late 1920s, 1930s. And he tried to this, tried to get this business going, and nothing, he couldn't get it going. And he's ready to give up with this business idea. When he was literally around Columbus, this is a cool story because it's right here local. This was back in 1932, and he felt like God spoke to him, and God told him, don't give up. I don't want you to give up. I want you to keep doing this business. And he was like, man, I, I've got nothing left. It's not working. And he said, but God, if you want me to continue to do this, and here's the deal. Then I'm going to say this is your business, and you have to make it work. So he said, you've got to make it work. But this will be your business. And so he only had about $25 to his name, and he borrowed an additional $12 from his dad, which doesn't sound like a lot of money today. Remember, this was, this was almost 100 years ago. And he went back at it trying. And he said, I'm going to make God the majority share owner of my business because this business is not mine, but it is his. And there's what's interesting. He had this idea that I want God to be the primary owner of this business. And he went to some lawyers and he said, I want to make God the majority share owner of my business. The first lawyer's like, I don't know what you're talking about. How are we going to do that? And then he got this other lawyer in 1940 to do this. His lawyer came up with this idea. We're going to start a nonprofit organization that was all about spreading the gospel around the world, and they took and put 51 percent of the shares in the ownership of the nonprofit, so that of all the profit, the not the nonprofit organization got 51 percent of the profit from the company. And he began to do this, and guess what God did with his business? Can you guess? God began to bless it. He had the right motive, the right heart. He wanted to use. He wanted his life to serve God's purpose. He had the right heart and the right motive and God began to bless his business. And not only that, but then God gave him other ideas and he started something called US Plastics that's still around today, still operating in Ohio today. And guess what, year to date, his company, that he has given over ownership of his company, has given away over $140 million to invest the gospel around the world. Can you consider that? $140 million. He sensed, after he saw what God did, he gave 100%. 100% of his companies belong to nonprofit organizations. Let me ask you a question. Where did that $140 million come from? You see, God had to bless his business in order for his business to be a blessing. And I want you to hear this, because this is not about prosperity gospel and God make me rich. But I want you to know that God wants to bless his people through. He wants to bless through his people. And there's a difference. Stanley Tam said, I'm not going to be a container, but I'm going to be a conduit of God's blessing. And God said, okay, in that case, I'm going to bless you. There's a difference. And when we do that, I want you to hear the promise. Let me reread verses 10 and 11 because I think this is so important. He says this, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and do what? To your store of seed. Everybody say that word and I know it feels weird, like I, I'm not trying to get God to do, but I'm just reading to you the promise that Paul gave him. The one who provided you seed in the first place will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. How many of you would like that? I would love to be generous every situation, every time I see need, every opportunity. I would love to be in a place. God says, okay, I'm trying to show you how. God says, I want you to be in that place too. So that on every occasion and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Can I tell you that I believe... Because of our act of generosity over this next year, hundreds and hundreds of families and thousands of people are going to at one point give thanksgiving to God because of the hope that came their way. I believe that with everything inside of me. And I want you to understand the potential that God wants to unlock in your life is directly connected to what you do with your seed. The seed he's already given to you. What God wants to unlock in your life is directly connected to the seed that God has already given to you. It's not about the amount of seed that you have. I'm talking about your resource. It's what you do with that resource that matters to God, that can position you. And I think a lot of times we look and we think, I don't have much to offer. I mean, I hear $140 million. Guess what? He didn't have much to offer. He started off with a few dozen dollars. And God blessed through him. Stanley Tame, I'm talking about. And the reason why, can I tell you the reason why this principle matters, the seed principle matters so much is because all throughout Scripture, when I look, I see this, I see this, this um, revelation of seed and what it means. And, and when you see this connection throughout Scripture, you know what seed represents throughout all of Scripture? Seed represents potential. One little seed actually represents more potential than most of us would ever think it's just a little seed but god has created something so incredible when he made this world that perhaps i will say the single greatest creation that god made might actually be the seed there's something so powerful about the seed that i saw when i looked back at the creation story about what god made you know, when God was creating the heavens and the earth, and early in the narration, you find in Genesis 1, I wanted to show you something about the potential of a seed and how big this is. In Genesis 1, verse 11, this is the first thing that God made after creating soil. The first thing he made was seed. It says this, Then God said, Let the land sprout with vegetation, and every sort of seed-bearing plant he said, and trees that grow, what kind of fruit? Say it out loud, seed bearing. I, I want you to consider because I think it's so easy to overlook this in the narrative. To think, okay, God created the sun, the moon, and the stars. Before he made that, he made seeds. The, the God created all the animals, the beautiful animals, the birds of the air, the fishes, I know. Before that, God created seeds. Before God created mankind, he made seeds. And oh, by the way, notice this, all throughout creation, God has placed at the center of it a seed. It's in, it's in plants so they can reproduce and go on. It's in animals. And oh, by the way, it's in you. It's in me. Do you realize that what God created when he created mankind, that he created within us seed men? I'm not trying to get weird, but I'm just trying to say this is part of God's plan. I don't want you to miss this because there is more potential inside of you than you realize because of the seed that God has placed inside of you. The first command that God gave to mankind was to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. If you don't think that there's something really significant about the seed, then you're missing the emphasis that is seen all throughout scripture. There's something about the seed that is so powerful because even in the tiniest thing that God created has the most potential when it is planted in the right soil. Something so cool that God showed me about seed. Listen, it's not only in that, but but seed is tied to everything in our world. I found something really cool. I never noticed this before. I get excited about this stuff. If you let me just geek out about something that God showed me in Scripture okay, I I know I'm a pastor and you may not care about this kind of stuff, but when I see this kind of revelation goes off in my head, I get excited about it. I never noticed how important the seed was to God until I saw the curse of what happened in original sin. Do, Do you know the story of of the first man and the first woman who take of the forbidden fruit, you know, that has seeds in it and eats that from that tree that God said, don't eat from because the serpent tempted them. And then I looked at the curse that God gave. You can read about it yourself in Genesis 3. And I realized that the curse was about the seed. i would never seen this before. That You know why? Because there was so much potential packed into a seed. And so when God looked down and he spoke to the woman, he said, because you ate of this fruit... You will suffer in pain of childbearing. What is that? Bringing forth the seed. Every mom knows what I'm talking about. That, that that was a curse that was handed down that had to do with the seed. And when God looked at the man, do you know what he said? He said, Because you listen to your wife. Now, that's not all, but that's the curse that he gave mankind. Listen, man, do you know what he gave man? He said, Because of that, you are going to. Toil and labor in the ground to bring forth any kind of harvest. It was about the seed. And then he looked at the serpent. Oh, this was so cool when I saw it. He looked at the serpent and he said, Because of you and what you did to trick them, he said, I am, there's gonna be strife between woman and you between her offspring her seed and your seed listen and then he gave a prophecy that was about jesus and it all started with the seed and he said or oh, this is about your offspring that you will strike his heel but he will crush your head do you know that's about what jesus did on the cross where the devil thought he had won and jesus said not today satan and then he crushed his head i'm telling you when i looked at this i said there is so much potential in a single seed that God handed out the curse of sin and it was around the seed. I came to say to you that there's more potential in you than you even realize. God wants to, listen, God wants to do more through you than you would fathom. The dream that you have in your heart, can I just say that's a seed. The purpose is that God created you with is a seed what you do with that seed is what matters the most all the potential in the world last spring my my youngest daughter Audrey was running track and uh, she wiped the track with people like she just she was so good she was awesome at track by the way I'm not bragging but I'm bragging she was really good at track and uh, at one of the track meets the coach for the varsity high school she was in eighth grade then um he came up to me coach o that's his name he came up to me and he said hey are you are you audrey's dad i was like you can tell can't you you know what i mean like like, yeah she gets it the seed remember the seed don't forget the seed and um i said yeah and he said man she's gifted i know i know he said um I've been coaching for 29 years. And he said, I, she has as much potential as anybody I've ever seen at that age. And my mind is blown. I'm thinking, all right, college scholarship. I'm thinking Olympic athlete. I'm, th- I'm thinking all this stuff. It's probably a far stretch, but but I, I'm thinking all this stuff. And then he said something that brought me back down to earth. He said, but I've seen a lot of kids with a ton of potential that never realized it because they didn't give themselves to the process. Can I just say that I wonder if that's the way God sees so many of us in the church. I know what I've put in them, and there's so much potential in them. But you have to activate it. Please listen to me today. You can't sit on the seed. As long as I keep seed in the bowl, it does nothing. As long as I keep this in here, it does nothing. I have to plant it in good soil and God will bring the increase. That's what we're doing in this series. We're planting our seed in good soil. And so I have to activate it. You understand this? You you have to activate that seed. How do we activate that seed through faith? So when you give and God prompts you, you do it cheerfully, say, okay, I don't know, but I wanna give and I would love to be able to give this much, but I'm not sure if we can. It's by faith, but can I tell you that all it takes is, is faith. Jesus said, if you just have faith the size of a mustard Seed, He said, you can speak to this mountain, say, go and be removed, and it will. There, there's something that gets unlocked, and all it takes is the smallest amount. That's why God, is so important to God, the seed, because of the potential that is locked up inside of a seed. That's the way God feels about you and me. I'll close with this, this picture. Um, I was thinking about Abraham and the promise that God made to Abraham in Genesis 12. And God spoke to Abraham He didn't have any seed. He had no children. And he was old. And God made him a promise. He said, I'm going to bless you and make you into a father of many nations. And he said, the whole world is going to be blessed through you. And that was again about Jesus, a prophecy through the seed. Do you know that Abraham had to wait 25 years before that promise came to pass? All he had All he had was the promise of a seed. And this is what what really got me as I was thinking about his story. And then God gave him a son, Isaac, that he was able to hold the provision of that promise when he was about 100 years old. And then as Isaac grew up, this is the heir. God spoke to Abraham one day and he said, I want you to take your son, Isaac, and sacrifice him to me on a mountain. So Abraham, in obedience took his son Isaac to the top of a mountain and laid him on an altar about ready to sacrifice him and God stopped him. God was never going to let him kill his son. That's not the way God is. But God was testing him to say would you by faith give me your seed? And what happened in that moment is so cool that God provided a ram in the thicket to be the sacrifice instead of his son. Do you know what Abraham called that place? maybe this for many of us this is it he called that place he said it is here that the lord will provide and we're so afraid of giving and we're not going to have enough and scarcity mindset that we we lose the potential of the seed that might not be a lot but when you invest it in fertile soil like this jar of seeds This, this jar of seeds um, has a lot more meaning to me than just a container to hold seeds for this message. Um, inside this jar of seeds is a specific number of seeds that I personally counted out every single one of them. I'm not even going to ask you to guess. We, don't, we can't be here all day. But I literally did. I said it took me hours. And I counted out these seeds because they represent something that I wanted you to hear today inside this container is 4,944 seeds. 4,944 seeds, you don't believe me, you can count it yourself. Here's why. It's one seed for every single person through the life of our church that gave their life to Jesus that said yes, which includes many of you. And i wanted you to see this because i want us to consider what we're about to see as a church in this next year and i think about the potential that is found in every single life that encounters christ that it changes generations that my life has been changed many of your life has been changed because you encountered jesus and his grace and now because of that i think about the this is just a bunch of seeds but when god gets a hold of it And we release it by faith. That's when God can do miracles. Amen, church?